Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Jeff Jenkins. Welcome to Global Answers. Uh, I trust you've been enjoying the broadcast as much as we have been delivering them to you. As you can notice, the gentleman to my left, your right, uh, his name is Stephen Strew. He's a lecturer from South Africa, now residing in the United States. And uh, there's been an incredible amount of talk lately concerning uh, creationism versus evolution, intelligent design versus Darwinism. And uh, if you're a reader, you've noticed in Wired magazine there's been a lot of things being said about intelligent design and about the complexity of the human cell and that the cell is so complex how can it have just been by chance coming out of some form of primordial soup it, it's it's too complex and uh, Stephen is going to answer some of these incredible questions in just a moment I want to say uh, in way of a disclaimer I am a pastor not a scientist so I'm going to be just as uh, enthralled and captivated by what uh, Stephen will be saying to you today as you will be as an audience. Uh, I've been reading a book that Stephen said you need to read it. It's a great book and it's called A Case for a Creator and uh, by Lee Strobel and I found it intriguing. I'm only about oh a fourth of the way through the book and so I'm beginning just to garner some of the ideas of the complexity of God's great creation. And what I find stimulating is, is as I was talking to Stephen, is, is how that science is now able to find out just how complex the body is. When the scripture says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, I have a new appreciation for that scripture. So I want to read a scripture to you in light of what Stephen's going to say. And the question I'm going to have and address to Stephen is, is what is the fundamental difference between Darwinism and intelligent design? What's the fundamental difference between Darwinism and intelligent design? And before he answers that question, let me read you this scripture out of Daniel chapter 12. Daniel is uh, concerned about his people, the Jews, Israel. And he saw a vision of the end time. He didn't know specifically what part, but he knew he was at the end time. And the Lord spoke to him, the angel spoke to him and said, Daniel, seal up all these things until the time of the end. You're going to go and you're going to sleep with your fathers, but there's certain things that are going to happen just at the end of time. And here's one of the scriptures that the angel told Daniel would happen at the very end of time. And it goes on to say this, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So just before the Lord comes, there's going to be some wise ones on earth turning many to the Lord. The next verse says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Watch what will be the significant sign of the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. Airplanes, jets, space shuttles, automobiles, all forms of the ability to run to and fro. And with that ability, we'll have the internet. We'll have an incredible explosion of knowledge and science and understanding. And it says here, Daniel, just before the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We've had some 
5,900 years, roughly, since Adam's time, and within the last 100, 150 years or so, we've had an explosion of knowledge, from the horse and buggy to, to genome and gene sequencing and the understanding of science. And so Stephen is going to kind of give you some understanding as to why Darwinism is now almost archaic. It's, it's falling into the background, and what's coming into the foreground is intelligent design. So with me, my guest, Stephen Strew. And Stephen, what then is the fundamental difference between Darwinism and intelligent design? I must also give a disclaimer. I'm also not a scientist. However, I have been studying this topic um, for since I was in high school. And uh, in South Africa, Professor David Block from the University of Witwatersrand introduced me to the concept of uh, the anthropic principle. Um, these are uh, principles that have uh, originated uh, among secular scientists uh, that uh, are cosmologists, looking at uh, the origins of, of the universe and the origins of life. And the anthropic principle, by definition, anthro's man uh, centric uh, is uh, centered. Uh, the anthropic principle implies man-centered mm. principle. In other words, that life on earth is uh, designed for human beings. Uh, the, the, the atmosphere, everything that we see in the biosphere, uh, in, uh, out in space even, we'll, we'll perhaps get a look at uh, things that about our position in the galaxy that make it possible for there to be life on earth and especially complex life, especially human life. And uh, this is the base of the anthropic principle. You'll notice that I'm using the word design and that's where we have a parting of the ways. When, it, when uh, scientists who hold uh, strictly to Darwinism or neo-Darwinism, uh, they don't have a room within their methodology for the concept of design. And uh, Francis Crick, who was one of the, uh, the founders, the discoverers of DNA, and uh, won the Nobel Prize for his, his work in, with DNA, made this statement, and I'll paraphrase it. He said, when we as scientists are looking at the uh, apparent design in organisms, in DNA, he says we should ignore that because we know it was formed strictly by natural processes. Now the reason for such a strange statement is because since Darwin, scientists have limited themselves to a methodology which is known as methodological naturalism. It's a materialism. Now we're not talking about Cadillacs and Mercedes-Benz when we say materialism. This is a materialism in the philosophic sense of understanding the universe from a purely natural point of view. The difference between intelligent design thinkers and Darwinists is intelligent design uh, implies that there is more than just the natural uh, matter and energy which scientists have always regarded as the two fundamentals. There's a third fundamental which has been recognized now for literally decades um, and even longer than that in some circles but has been become increasingly popular in the last 30, uh, 20 years and that is that information is the third fundamental. You have matter and energy 
and then you have information. And a great example of that, just uh, from practical terms, we, we live in a computer age, and we live in an age of information, of bits and bytes of the internet, and if I held up two uh, CDs for you to look at, comp uh, compact discs, and uh, one of them was filled with information. We could uh, store uh, 700 odd megabytes of information on, on one of these CDs. And if, I, and if I held that up alongside one that had no information on it, and we put them on a scale, no matter how accurate the scale was, it would not be able to weigh the information that is on the CD that contains uh, all these megabytes. So there's no difference between the, the, them in natural terms, but there is a difference when you put them into the computer and the one brings up a program and the other one doesn't. So then Darwinism did not take into account the amount of information stored in the cell or in the nucleus of a cell. You had shown me a film clip, which is incredible, of the cell the nucleus of a cell, the engines within the nucleus of a cell, and, and the immense amount of information, or the brain, each one of those cells had so much power packed within it, and all of the uh, mechanism within that cell, it, it, it only, it seems to me, can point to an intelligent designer. But could you explain more to me and to the audience about the complexity of that cell and, and how it points to a designer? I would be interested to know more about that. Um, I, you know, you and many, many scientists, Brother Jeff, because even though they're studying the, the, then they've got down to uh, the most incredible detail within mm -hmm. the cells and to understand uh, the DNA and, and the structure of DNA, mm -hmm. how um, the DNA um, stores information. They, they, still, they still know that they know less about the cell than, uh, than there is to know. In other words, the more they discover, the more they, they still realize they have to discover. In the, in, the, in the scheme of things, they know a very, very small amount of information. And this is microbiology, micro, something so small that we can't see with our naked eye, and yet there's an immense amount of intelligence with inside that cell that, is, that the naked eye could not even begin to see. Correct. That is... The fundamental difference between science today and science in, in 1859, when Darwin wrote his book, The Origin of the Species, he did not have access to the technology that we have today, either for looking into space or for looking into cells, into that microbiological level. And uh, when we think of astronomy and we think of what we know now about our universe, about our solar system, about the galaxy that we live in. Uh, these are things that Darwin had no idea about. And Galileo was, uh, was hundreds of years before, but they, they didn't have anything like the technology that we have today. And so in the world of the very big, Darwin was uh, ill-equipped to, to have a, an understanding that he could formulate theories around. But the same is true in the world of the very small. In the microbiological level, all that they thought in Darwin's day, scientists of his day, including Darwin, was that cells were extremely simple. They thought of uh, them as just uh, almost like a bag of soup, uh, that there was just a few ingredients that floated around in, in a liquid form, uh, that there weren't these complex 
engines, these complex mechanisms that we see in cells today, they had no idea about that. So he based his theories around the information that he had at the time and it proved to be inadequate. In the last 30 years or so, scientists have probed the intricate details of, of cells and even the nucleus of cells where the DNA uh, is and what they've discovered is that the DNA contains this mysterious third fundamental called information and because of the information that's stored within the cell the amino acids and the proteins that go to form the building blocks of life are programmed according to the information stored in the DNA to reproduce themselves in order to become the different tissues the different parts of the engines that are needed within the cell. You know, in Darwin's day, they thought that uh, the cell was um, simply what they could see um, with the instruments of their time, and that when it became possible, and they knew it would become possible, to eventually be looking at the cell in even more detail, they thought that it, the cell would become more simple, that as they probed it, there'd be more and more space in between the different uh, things that they could see rather than more detail. And of course they were wrong. And that's why Darwinism today is, uh, is, is on its back foot, so to speak. It's um, today when uh, we as Christians talk to scientists or address the issue of teaching science um, in, in, in schools that include a discussion of intelligent design. It's the naturalists, it's those who hold to materialistic view of life. Uh, the methodological naturalism of science is no longer equipped to to deal with some of the new discoveries and it's them that are retreating it's them that have the special pleading give us more time we'll we'll finally work this out we don't know how it works at the moment but those who have accepted the the metaphysical uh, premise of information something that cannot be measured in terms of matter and energy they are the ones who hold the high ground now so now uh, for instance in Ohio um, I have heard that in Ohio that they are offering intelligent design in school because there are so many scientists that feel that Darwinian thought is, uh, is old thought and that in light of new uh, discoveries that we must provide for our students another way of thinking about life and, and is, are there a lot of scientists that are, are feeling that uh, Darwinism is, is old thought? Yes, indeed. In fact, um, the first sign of that, of the growing number of scientists from prestigious universities like Harvard and Yale and Berkeley um, in California, uh, and um, there's, there's too many to name now, but there was a group of scientists who got together not uh, long ago and took out a full-page ad in a magazine um, where they declared themselves to be skeptics. And there was a hundred scientists who signed this document saying that they were skeptical of the ability of Darwinism to explain the complexities that, we are, that are now revealed by uh, microbiology and revealed in the cells as well as in, in the rest of, of the universe. So these are objective scientists who have not yet ascribed to perhaps uh, creationism or intelligent design, but they know that Darwinism can't be right. That is correct. The, and you now 
of those original 100 scientists mm -hmm. have been added to their number so that there are now over 350 scientists um, and not all of them are, are, are scientists of faith. Uh, many of them are agnostics, um, but none of them are atheists. You know, there was a conference held in 1985 in Dallas at the Dallas Hilton mm -hmm. and these, uh, the, the topic was um, atheism and deism, mm. the, the idea that there would be some kind of supernatural force, something larger than, uh, than man mm -hmm. that could be behind the, behind the evidence of, uh, of uh, science. Mm -hmm. And at this meeting, it was surprising how many of the scientists who had been asked to attend the conference, instead of sitting down at the atheist mm -hmm. table, um, sat down at the deist table. Well. And uh, previously they had been a renowned atheists um, and evolutionists. Um, just people that come to mind right now, not necessarily who are at that meeting, but uh, the one is um, Dr. Dean Kenyon mm -hmm. uh, from San Francisco University. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book called uh, Chemical Predestination, and it was the textbook on biology for many, many years, he, maybe even as many as 30 years, if I recall. And what, it, what, his, what, his, um, what he proposed was that the um, cells, the, the biology of cells, worked because of the properties their chemical properties, because of the, the, the principles of chemistry, hmm. certain amino acids would combine with certain amino acids in a prescribed manner hmm. because of the characteristics of chemistry right. in order to form the proteins and therefore the, the, the life as we see it around us. Life as we see it around us is based on chemical properties alone. He has since repudiated that book. He's repudiated his findings. And it wasn't because he suddenly discovered um, a, a, some religious reason behind life. He said it was his research wow. and the findings of, of science most recently that have made him realize that chemistry alone does not account for the complexity of, uh, of life, the complexities of these machines that we see within cells. What is the if there was a number one major reason as to why many Darwinian individuals are now changing their, 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 their whole school of thought, what would be the major reason? Uh, complexity of cell, the, the, the Cambrian explosion, what would you say? Actually, there's so many different uh, things about Darwinism that have since uh, been proved not to work. Uh, one of them is a statement that Darwin himself made regarding his theory. And Darwin said, uh, said this, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you a paraphrase of what it is. He said that if it can be shown that an organ can uh, not possibly have been formed mm -hmm. through natural processes. And what he said was uh, through natural selection, mm -hmm. which he said was the slow, successive, slight modifications mm. that were necessary for the survival of the fittest. He's, and, and I'll say it again. He said that if it's not possible, if it's not possible that an organ could have been produced mm -hmm. by these slow, slight modifications, that his theory would break down. In other words, 
he was um, of the opinion that all of the uh, complexities that we see, the variations um, of species right. that, we've, that we see in the world are a result of a universal common ancestry back to a single cell that through the process of, of natural selection over, over millions and millions of years, given enough time, natural selection would select those variations within, this, within the cells, within the species that were beneficial to the organism and that it would be reproduced, passed on to the next generation and so the, the organisms would change and eventually become different species and that's where all of life came from, this, this one single cell. He said that theory would break down if it could be shown that any organism could not possibly have been produced by that mechanism. And as one person put it, he said, Darwin's theory explains, uh, explains through natural selection the survival of the fittest, but it doesn't explain the, it doesn't um, have an explanation for the arrival of the fittest. And so his own theory has now um, been uh, the demise of his theory is because of his own statement. We have now found irreducibly complex machines, machines within the cell that cannot possibly have formed through a slow, slight modification process. Because, well, here it is. If any part of the mousetrap is missing, if the hammer is missing, if the, if the trigger mechanism is missing, if the spring is missing, if the baseboard which is mounted on is missing, you don't catch fewer mice, you don't catch any mice at all. And so you couldn't have a mousetrap that didn't have all those parts and still be a mousetrap. And, and, and that's not just in, excuse me, that's not just in, in molecular science, that's not just in biology. But they've, they've shown uh, this type of irreducible complexity in many different uh, areas of our experience. One of those is slightly different in, in, in that it's not a biological uh, irreducible complexity, but it's the factors that are necessary to support life on Earth. And when you take into account all of the factors Mm -hmm. The probabilities are statistically zero that life could have developed on Earth by accident or by chance. There's, there's more evidence that points towards design producing life on Earth than chance. As a pastor, I've always believed in a creator, obviously, and I've never studied objectively from a scientific point of view. That's why I wanted so badly for you to come, because I wanted somebody who has lectured on these things, who has taught, who has studied these things, also being a Christian, also having a background before you were a Christian, and maybe perhaps you can, uh, you can make reference to that, Stephen, because before you uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you had some intellectual battles, didn't you, yourself, concerning creation versus evolution? You're right, and it is, it is a process that I think uh, many people have had to go through, uh, and I'm certainly not unique in this, I'm sure, but I was raised in a Christian home, and I had an understanding of creationism from Scripture that God created the world 
Um, it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so there was no question, there was a creator in my mind and that creator was the God of the Bible and that everything that we see around us was made by Him. And in researching that, I was, uh, was brought up to date with the scientific evidence for, that supported the Bible. However, when I went to university and I was exposed at a young age to the um, contrary positions of, uh, of, of science and biology and anthropology, and we were taught about um, Lucy and uh, Dr. Leakey's finds in Olduvai Gorge in, in Kenya and Australopithecus and, and uh, all these different uh, uh, hominids that were supposedly precursors to, uh, to man. And we, we learned about brain size and the difference in DNA structure between different uh, species. And it all started to sound more and more like there was more scientific evidence to support evolution, Darwinian evolution, um, than there was uh, to support the biblical account of creation. I never lost faith in God, but I noticed that over the course of uh, a number of years that my faith was diminished because... I, I didn't have uh, a clear understanding of the scientific aspects. Um, and now um, it's become so apparent that uh, modern science is once again reconfirming that uh, the accounts recorded in the, the Bible, in the Christian scriptures, are indeed accurate. And the God of the Christian Bible is the only God recorded in, uh, in, in religious writings, in religious scriptures, uh, that is transcendent. That means he's outside of space and time. And there's the things in the Bible that are recorded that, that don't allow uh, for um, a man based on earth to be able to have written it. Back in uh, the Psalms, it says that the earth is hung in the circle of nothing. The right. circle of the earth is hung on nothing. Right. And so it's impossible for, for uh, a man to have written that who didn't have a view from space. And so that's what... Uh, so what turned, uh, at what given point in your life did you say, although science can't establish a creation and a creator, I must accept by faith. And now, I mean, there was, had to be a turning point in your life. And then at that turning point, now, of course, you can look back and say science now vindicates the fact that there's a creator. But there are, I know there are people in the audience that are saying, I'm still not convinced, I'm in college. What, does it, what, do, what do I need as a Christian to hold on to my faith because my faith is being shaken by Darwinism? One of the things was what I just mentioned, and there was more than just one thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but one of the things that I, I realized was that the God of the Bible is transcendent. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if I was to put my faith in the writings of Scripture, right. it would uh, lead me to um, conclusions that couldn't be arrived at purely uh, by, ment by, by human intellect. Exactly. For a DVD of today's program entitled Evidence for Intelligent Design, send your request to Global Answers. 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. The zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or visit our website at